Welcome to the CLS Experience. I'm your host, Craig Siegel. I'm a born and raised New Yorker who achieved success with multiple businesses, but I crave something deeper. So I dedicated myself to personal growth and transformation by revamping my mindset. I went from being unable to run a mile to conquering four marathons the following year. Now, I want to help others manufacture big breakthroughs of their own. As life goes on, we move away from our imagination to get suppressed in our dreams and we move into our history, our patterns, and our memory and we operate them. You have to become an impossibility thinker. And so the more and more you begin to crank up your imagination, dreaming is one thing, imagining. It's a ma- this beautiful imagination you were given. Light it up again, turn it on again. Begin to force yourself to imagine and to dream without a plan, without the qualifications, without any of that crap you think you need. Turn that on. Otherwise, you are going to have a history and a memory repeat itself with just a different set of circumstances and a different set of people over and over and over again until you're dead. Because once you start operating out of the pattern of memory, which is what most people do, and history, you just recreate the same emotions, the same sort of results with different people in different circumstances. On today's episode of the CLS Experience, we have a very special treat. He's the one and only icon and one of one to be brought back for round two and a sequel on the record-breaking CLS Experience podcast. He's a world-class keynote speaker with over 30 years of experience as an entrepreneur and coach to top athletes, entertainers, and business moguls. He's a peak performance expert, mentor, best-selling author of one book, and about to be of a second, and you could take that to the bank, one of the baddest business moguls in the world, fitness enthusiast, power player, and the current face of personal development, pulse behind the max out movement, and author of the brand new self-help instant classic and Bible, The Power of One More. He's just a juggernaut in all facets of life, and a terrific husband and father, and an extraordinary man of faith. Please welcome the electrifying, hungry, charismatic, abundant, grateful, iconic king of cool, the dynamic and humble, Ed Milet. I need a recording of that, please. Can we play that for my kids? That was so good. Oh, man. Thank you, Greg. I'm so proud of you, man. I was just telling you off air. I'm so proud of you. I hear about you all the time. You're a rising star with everybody whose opinion that matters to me and they think the world of you. Thank you so much for saying that. And like I was saying, it means the most coming from you. And I'll be straight up with you. I take great pride in those intros. We just had you on four months ago. You're the first one to come back for sequel. Um, so it, it was a nice challenge to kind of separate and make it different. <laughs> um, but I'm really happy to see that I did good by you. And I'm honored uh, that you'd have me back the first guy twice. So thank you very much. Hell yeah. Uh, we're going to dive all about the book and, and all that stuff, which I'm super excited about. And obviously, I want to wish you congratulations. I personally can't wait to read it. Um, and I'm sure I'm going to read it multiple times. Before we dive in on that, we're going to get a little nuts. You ready for me? Get nuts. Let's go. Ed, what are some non-negotiables for you? Non-negotiables. Uh, I won't hang around any friends of mine who are gossipers or cheaters uh, in any way in their life that I'm aware of. So that's a non-negotiable for me. That wasn't always the case, but it is now. Uh, non-negotiable for me is that I'm going to work out every day of some type, move my body, uh, some way non-negotiable for me every day is that, uh, I'm going to be praying and connected, uh, to God and non-negotiable for me is that I just don't want to settle for less than I'm capable of. And, uh, that's the hardest of all of them, because what does that mean? What's that standard? Like just, you know, there's days like any day you have them as well, where you're just not feeling it. And it's those days where you separate yourself. It's not what you do on the days where you're feeling great. It's what you do on the days when you're not motivated. That's what separates us. So I pride myself on those non-negotiables. Yeah. And you always talk about that on constantly showing up uh, as the version of God created you to be. And so yeah. for the client chasing that person each and every day, one thing you just mentioned is working out two questions based upon that. Number one, how's your calf? Thank you for asking. It's torn. I have a tor- partially torn calf. I hurt that calf in college. What ended my baseball career was a catastrophic injury to my right calf. I got hit with a pitch, formed a tumor on my right calf. They took the tumor out, but part of my calf with it, it grew back. They did it again. And then the last time they said, if we take any more of this, you're not going to have a right leg. So um, it's just loaded with scar tissue. The scar tissue was good, man, because it's held my calf together. And I was just doing some simple you know, jogging on a treadmill and it popped. And so it's, uh, it's tender, but it's not stopped me from training. It's just made me adjust 
what I'm doing. I, I'm reluctant to have any surgery on it because obviously for the, the reasons I just said. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, speedy recovery to you, brother. Thanks for asking. Yeah. And the other thing I wanted to ask you in regards to fitness is uh, I, I watch your content all the co- time because obviously I'm a fan and I love you, buddy. And you're talking about a little bit of a weight loss journey right now. Uh, and I see you doing that. And I'm just curious. And I'm sure the audience as well. How come? Mental toughness. I was 221 and only about 8% body fat. So I was in really good shape at 50 years old. You know, I was just, I really feel 50 like if you're trans- young. 50 years young. Yeah. Uh, if you can transform your body, for me, it's always been the instrument of change for me. I can control what I do with my body. And I just thought, you know what? I wonder if I could get down to 180. It'd be about 40 pounds. It'd be kind of psycho. It'd be a great <laughs> challenge for me, like a mental, <laughs> mental challenge. I don't want to weigh 180, but I'd like to get there and then build back up. Maybe do about 200, 210. I'm getting, you know, when you get over 50 years old, I'm not a tall guy. I'm 5'11 if, on my best day. So carrying that much weight on my frame is a lot, even if it is muscle. And it's not all muscle. I got fat for sure. So I'm almost there. I'm at 183 this morning. And I'll get down to 180 probably next week. And then I'm coming right back up. I could dehydrate and probably get there right now, but I want to do it like as naturally as I can. And it was 100% just the mental challenge, the discipline, the adjustment of putting myself through something difficult. In the book, in The Power of One More, I have a chapter called One More Inconvenience. And it's building the muscle of doing inconvenient and difficult things and how to actually do that. And so this was one of my ways of just sort of embodying one more inconvenience every single day for about three months. Yeah. And that's so powerful. You have to create challenges for, for mental toughness, right? Like, yeah. and I've heard you talk about this also, like we talk about the goat Tom Brady, right? Like his motivation in season, whatever it is right now yeah. is obviously not the same in the beginning of his career when he was an overlooked late round draft pick. I'm sure he has other mental challenges that he comes up with now. So it, it just, it, you're setting the example and for the audience, like never get complacent, right? If yeah. you're feeling a little too comfortable, uh, that's feedback from the universe saying, maybe you should challenge yourself. Yep. The most rare thing in the world is people who are willing to do inconvenient stuff. And Napoleon Hill says in Think and Grow Rich, which is my second favorite book other than the Bible, well, maybe other than the book I just wrote. The only criticism I would Think and Grow Rich is it's my favorite book. I have it right here. I'm rereading it right now. Yeah, I know. We talked about this before, right? But the thing is, you don't think and get rich. You have to do stuff. And so my book's more about what are the thoughts and the actions you have to do in congruency. And one of them is just building this tolerance level. I just had Phil Heath on, seven-time Mr. Olympia on my show. And I said something to him that he had never thought about before. I said, Phil, and obviously Phil's probably done some supplementation that's different than some other people, right? But (laughs) But that's not why he's Phil Heath. He's Phil Heath because he has a different relationship with pain. And I said, did you, did it occur to you? He goes, I never thought about it, brother. You're exactly right. I said, you chase pain. You chase inconvenience. Napoleon Hill says, on the other side of temporary pain, you get introduced to your other self. And so if you're in temporary pain right now, just realize if you can get through this on the other side of that, you get introduced to a different you. That different you produces a different life. And so it's your relationship with discomfort, inconvenience, hard things, and pain that really alters you. And that's why I did the weight loss thing. Isn't that everything in life? Like, spoiler alert for for everybody listening. There's always going to be some form of adversity, obstacles, or challenges. But when you get gritty, right, and and you build that resilience, or or as Napoleon Hill says, you get introduced to your other self, and you talk about this in your new book and so forth, then you get used to the discomfort, and you actually lean into it. You do lean into it. You embrace it. You look, you because you know on the other side of that is the thing you want. And this avoidance of it becomes habitual and the pursuit of it becomes habitual. And I just noticed with me that, you know, the higher you climb, the easier it is to avoid inconvenient things. When you're broke or unhappy, you have to do inconvenient things, right? Or at least you should have, think you have to do it. As you climb, you can get people to do the inconvenient things for you. And it's easy to just lose that. I'm like, so I was like, what could I do to prove to myself I'm mentally tough still that's, you know, real evidence of it. It's in my body. And it's just like, I don't want to ever not have that. I don't ever not want to be doing difficult things in my life. We all think we want to work to not do that. But the truth is, it's not really the case. We just want to become more familiar with it so that when we see it, we know what it is and we attack it. Nutrition Solutions offers the best healthy meal prep options for health, wellness, weight loss, and improved performance. The customer service and support at Nutrition Solutions is unbelievable and second to none. And when I travel for my marathons, the meals are waiting at my hotel. I don't even have to break a sweat. 
even their protein donuts and breakfast items are made with fresh organic ingredients. I love Nutrition Solutions' reliability, quality, and all-around lifestyle that they represent, which is world-class. To get both physically and mentally fit, go to NutritionSolutions.com and use promo code CLS25. Thank me later, you dig gold. <laughs> That's where we dropped the mic, but we're just getting warmed up. Uh, oh, by the way, Uncle Ed, yeah. happy belated birthday. You and I just found out we shared the same birthday. Yeah, brother, I could not believe that when you told me that. And uh, that's some sign of greatness between the two of us, right? So I'm honored that, that that's the case because I do see you in many ways, not in my footsteps because you're creating your own huge footsteps that'll be much bigger than mine. But the way that you care about people, the way you're trying to grow, um, how precise and prepared you are in your craft. And then you're this really unique nuance, man. You're this really tough, strong dude who's just got a lot of heart and humility and kindness to you. And I'd like to think that I embody some of that as well. It's just things I admire in you. And then the fact that we're born on the same, not the same day, but the same date is pretty cool too. Not a coincidence. Not a coincidence. Yeah. And thank you for those beautiful words. And for the audience listening, as I was telling Ed before we went on air, when I made the, the, the transition from Wall Street to do the personal development stuff, which, which is the dream in my heart to make the impact, uh, Ed stood out to me um, in, in compared to everybody else, just doing things a certain way, uh, vibrating on a certain frequency that I felt aligned to. So I want to acknowledge you for that. Thank you, brother. That's an honor. Yeah. I want to ask you this question because I'm so curious, and then we're going to dive in all about the book. Okay. There's some cats out there that just know how to win. No matter what arena they step into, they will be a successful gladiator. Maybe not right away, but they'll figure it out. What is it about those type of cats that could just do different things and always figure out how to win? Well, one, they got the identity thing down that they're a winner. They know how to will things to happen. I talk a lot about that in the book on changing your identity. The other thing, though, is there's something I call in the book called a one more multiplier. I actually used Brady as the example of that. But these are people who, no matter what organization or endeavor they get involved with, they multiply the organization. They set the pace. There's something about their vibrational frequency that's just completely different. And so like Brady, he's a multiplier. When he comes to the Bucks, it wasn't just that you added him and what he could do to the organization. Other studs want to go play there. So what do they do? You get Leonard Fournette. You get Antonio Brown, even though he's gone now. You get Rob Gronkowski. You get free agents who are signing for less money to play there. They just got Shaq Mason, the guard now, to play with them. People want to come play with one more multiplier. So when a one more multiplier gets into anything they do, they draw and attract to them the best of the best around them in addition to them, and they multiply themselves. And so they have the identity of it, but they're multipliers. That's such a great point. Uh, and I see that in you too, brother, because I know you do a little bit of a book launch. You're putting together an event. And I saw some of our mutual friends on there, John Gordon and some others. And everybody just wants to be a part of it. It's contagious. Yeah, I didn't even have to ask anybody. They all came to me and said they wanted to do it, which was really, really cool. And um, I'm, you know, I'm grateful for all those friendships. And by the way, it's just an also, it's something for everyone to realize. Like I've poured it, you know, I'm not saying I... I've been willing to give without expecting anything in return for a number of years. And so then when I needed something, I didn't even have to ask. People were approaching me. In fact, I felt bad about the people I can't have involved with the book launch just because there's only so many people that I can't have. So there's a law of reciprocity in life. When you give, 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 and give, karma happens and good things come back your way. You reap That's what it. you sow. That's it. Love this. One of the premises of your new book, which I think is so exciting, and it's really something that a lot of people can find value in is... You're, you're one more step closer to living your best life than you think. And a lot of people I see give up right before they might break out, so to speak. Is that the premise of the book? Well, it's certainly one of them, for sure. You've nailed it. So here's the thing. The Bible tells us where there's no vision, the people will perish. There's some truth. There's truth in the Bible. But what I mean by that is I think people take that scripture a little literally. It's not that most people don't have a vision. You know how you want to feel. You want to feel happy or sad, proud or you know, embarrassed. You want to have a jet or you want to fly in coach? Do you want to eat at uh, the best steak or Del Taco, right? You want, your, <laughs> you, want to, you want to retire your parents or not, right? You want ecstasy, passion, joy, or do you want depression, anger, and anxiety? You know what you want, right? The issue is you think you're further away than you are. It's a depth perception vision issue. And so because you think you're so far away, you acted in accordance and patterns with that, and you always keep it that far away. But what if, theoretically, you're completely wrong and I'm right? And my theory is your one decision, one meeting, one podcast, one new emotion, one new thought, 
one relationship, right? Away from a completely different life. And you are, and you've already proven that different times in your life. If you're married, that one relationship changed your life. That decision asked that person out. So you're much closer than you think you are. But because you don't think you're that close, you're not looking for the meetings, the relationships, the thoughts, the emotions, the breakthroughs that are right in front of you all the time. In the book, I have a chapter called the, the pinata chapter. And I talk about, I went to this party, it's five-year-olds. And the, it's a pinata. So the birthday boy gets up there and whacks at the pinata like 11 <laughs> times. No candy comes out. So he quits, right? Next kid gets up, hits it 100 times. No candy comes out. He kind of disappears. Next kid, next kid. So what was happening that they didn't know was invisible progress was breaking down that pinata. There was no evidence of it, but that pinata was breaking down one swing after the other. It's invisible progress. It's called compound pounding. That's a real thing. And so what happens is all this progress is being made with no evidence of it. So then the last kid gets up, he hits it once and all the candy comes out. Everybody celebrates and gets all the candy. Here's the issue. Was it that one swing by the last kid that broke the pinata? Of course not. It was the cumulative blows, just like in life. But most people will quit before the candy comes out. They'll quit before the big money comes out. They'll quit before the relationship comes out. They'll quit before their 180-pound body that I'm trying to get right now comes out. They quit because they don't understand they're making progress even though it's invisible. They're moving closer to their dream and their vision than they realize, but they don't stick around to get the candy because it's invisible. That's so powerful. And for so many entrepreneurs specifically out there, right? Like they're busting their butt and they're trying to make things happen, but they don't necessarily see the tangible results right away. Yes. It's invisible progress. I love that. It's a fact. It's a, yeah. I'm, I'm a product of having Same. stayed. And here's the other thing as an entrepreneur. Sometimes for a lot of people, you're benefiting from the, all the work they did because they don't stick around long enough to collect. You know this from everything that you've done, right? So you're closer than you think you are. And it's a thought, a breakthrough, an emotion, a thought, a, a podcast, a book away from changing your life completely. Yeah. This, I'll give you a crazy example. Let me give you one. Just nice. Please, please. I get introduced to this guy. about a month ago, buddy. I goes, I want you to meet this friend of mine. You got like similar net worth. This guy's worth, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. So I go, okay, let's play golf. So we go play golf. We go to the first hole. He says, oh my gosh, Ed, my, I'm a big fan of yours. I can't wait to hear about you all day today. I go, nope, that ain't how I work, brother. I already know about me. I want to know about you. We ain't talking about me. And he goes, well, it's a really easy story. I said, okay, give it to me. We're on the first tee box. He goes, 1986, I loaned a guy $50,000. So did my best friend. He goes, a week later, my best friend said, give me the money back. I didn't. I let the guy keep the loan. He goes, it turned into $750 million. I said, say that again. He goes, I loaned him 50 grand, and it turned into $750 million. I said, baloney. Who'd you loan the money to? He goes, this guy named Jeff Bezos. I said, you, you got to be freaking kidding me. He goes, yeah. And I looked at him, I said, man, that was one decision that changed your life. One relationship that changed your life. He goes, you're damn right it did. Now that's an exaggerated, crazy ass example of one decision and one relationship changing your life. I don't have that. I have a series of those though, <coughs> that led me to the same place he is just with a series of decisions, a series of relationships, a series of meetings, a series of thoughts, a series of books, a series of podcasts. So, you know, one way or the other, those one decisions get us there. Bang. And you never know what it's going to be. Just do one more. This is all, right. what a crazy example. But another thing that you talk about when you turn to one more relationship, one more connection, one more meeting is you say this, and this really hit home to me is one more identity. Yeah. I talk a lot about identity in all of my work because I believe it's the, we talked about this last time I was on your identity is like a thermostat setting for your life. It just is. And it sets the temperature. The outside doesn't regulate the temperature. If it's hundred degrees outside, it's 75 on the thermostat. It's 75 inside. What happens is we start accumulating skills or relationships. And we, if we're 75 degree or we get 80, 90, 95, 100 degrees of results, we unconsciously turn the thermostat setting of our life back on and we cool life back down. Air conditioners turn on to get what we believe we're worth. So you have to change that. And in the book, I talk about uh, the matrix is one of the chapters. The second chapter is called the matrix. And I love the matrix because it slows down time into what they call, you know, basically, you know, the, the time in the book is matrix time. And that's what starts to happen. If you learn to program your reticular activating system in your brain, it finds the relationships, the decisions and the moments. And I teach you how to do it in the book. For example, when something becomes, when the RAS is the filter of your life. It filters out everything that's not important to you and only filters in what you truly believe and need and think about repeatedly. So I'm, I like what Elon Musk is doing right now. I just do. I don't know if I like him yet. I don't know enough about the guy, 
but I like what I'm seeing him do. So I told Twitter. my Twitter, I'm going to support this cat. Get me a Tesla. So I get a Tesla Plaid. I don't really want to drive the Tesla, but I bought it. Dude, <laughs> every freaking where I go now, I see Teslas. They're everywhere. Three lanes over, other side of the freeway, Tesla. In front of me, Tesla. Babe, white Tesla. Hey, that's the... Guess what? They were always there. I just didn't see them before because they weren't important to me. Now that they're important, my RAS reveals them to me. Here's the key thing in life. Your ambitions, your goals, those relationships, those meetings, those decisions, those thoughts need to become your Teslas. They've always been there. You're just missing them. And if I can teach you how to do that, so I'm so, this isn't just a theory book. As you know, you read it. It's heavy. It's not theoretical. And so I teach you how to do it. The last thing I'll say is that in the matrix, Neo is considered the one. He's the one. And in my family, I'm the one. And you and I have talked about this. In your family, you're the one. You, those of you listeners, you need to be the one in your family. When you meet a happy and successful rich family or just a happy family, some point back in their lineage, they weren't until the one shows up. And that one changes that family forever. They fight for it. They change how they live, how the world treats them, how the family thinks forever. And so that's why I love the matrix analogy. This is really deep stuff. And like, think about that for the audience, guys. Like at some point, someone's family tree wasn't rich or successful. Somebody came in and changed the dynamic, changed the legacy of that. And, and what I love about this, first of all, I, I want to acknowledge, I love when you get fired up. It's so obvious and, and it's awesome. <laughs> Your passion is, is, is 3D right now popping through the screen. What I love about all these tools is it's really for anybody. It's applicable and it's universal for anybody doing anything, correct? Yeah, the book's broad. You know, when you write a book, you're critical of yourself. If I have two criticisms of the book, and I think they're actually good things. One is it's very heavy. Like, it's like, well, I got to read that again. There's a lot of very deep tools and content. I just, I put it all in there. The other part, though, is it's broad, meaning I wrote it, you could be a better father, a better mother, a better student, a better athlete, a better executive, a better entrepreneur, a better leader. So it's got broad applications of all the tools that I have in the book so that I could reach the most people. That's why I say the ultimate guide to happiness and success, because for some people, success is not just happiness and happiness isn't success. Yup, that's correct. Billionaire Mark Cuban is motivating entrepreneurs daily with his three commas line of apparel, accessories and coffee. Three commas has the softest suede crutis, a great line of accessories and the best direct trade Colombian coffee. Join the three commas club on Instagram at three commas or visit their website, threecommas.com to learn more. Thank me later, you dig? Yeah, so true. And a lot of this stuff that you talk about is kind of familiar for what we were talking about in our first conversation a few months back in regards to the law of attraction, stuff like that. And I wanted to acknowledge you for this. Our mutual friend, Rob Deerdeck, uh, I didn't realize how intellectual he was and, and so big into this quantum stuff. Uh, but of all the people that I talk about this stuff with, you have the best ability to simplify it and make it transferable to everybody. Yeah, the RAS, we could go detailed, is in the prefrontal cortex of your brain. There's all these things I could tell you that don't matter. I'm the type of guy, when I interview anybody or when I learn these things, just let me apply it. How do I do it? Right. I don't need to, I'll be honest with you. My wife was just saying this last year. She goes, I wish there was a man around the house. I said, what did you say? This was last night. I said, babe, I've been married. You know, I know my wife forever. I go, a man. She goes, no, no, no. I didn't mean, I mean, just someone who could fix things. I go, babe, I pay people to fix things. And this is the truth, man. Here I am worth a pretty good chunk of money. Yes, I don't are. know how electricity works. I have no idea how this light bulb works. I have no idea how my jet takes off the ground. I don't need to know that. I just need to know the jet takes off the ground, right? So I got people that I pay to fix my jet. So the point is, I don't need to understand the prefrontal cortex, reticular activating system. You need to know the matrix. That's you it. need to know how to visualize correctly, repeatedly, and in a detailed way so that you program that RAS to see the Teslas of your life that you want. I can teach you how to do that. I understand the sophisticated parts of it, but I don't have the need to be the smartest person in the room. I have a need to serve you. I have a need to get you to improve your life. I, there are far smarter people than me, and this is not about me. Long ago, my life stopped being about me. And it doesn't mean I'm not self-centered. It doesn't mean I don't have any ego. Of course I do. 
but it means I know what makes me happy. And what makes me happy is not fulfilling my own ego. It doesn't work anymore. I tried it. What works for me is serving God. And what works for me is trying to improve the lives of other human beings in ways that I know how to do it. What is different about me is I'm one of the very few people in personal development who was wealthy and successful prior to doing it. Meaning I'm not telling people how to do things and getting rich doing that. I did them and then I documented them. So I know exactly what I did to change my life. And that's what I put into this book or the details. Yeah. And when, based on what you just said, when I think of one word, I think of credibility. Thank you. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, and I'm not perfect. I don't have every answer. Someone asked me the other day, I was doing a, a interview on my book and they go, man, you really have learned a lot in life. And I think I told you this the last time we talked. The older I get, the more I realize what I don't know. I don't know a lot. And I made a lot of mistakes. Now, one cool thing about me writing a book, I can save you years of the stupid things I did. And the other thing I can tell you is in the book, The Power of One More, are only things I know that work. In other words, it's not, not 3,000 pages because I don't have 3,000 pages of stuff. Right now, at this stage of my life, I've got what's in this book and it'll help you. Yeah, I love that you said that. And also, the last time you were on the show, you said... Uh, the person that I am today, meaning four months back, is not going to be the, the same person that when we speak again or you have me back on the show, so because you're always evolving and growing, just like you just said with the book. Yeah, you know, it occurred to me the other day, man, I was going to tell you this. My dad made one more decision to get sober, as you know, and that changed. I talk a lot about this in the book. And then when my dad got sober, I said, Dad, are you going to stay sober forever? He goes, I don't know. I'm going to stay sober for one more day. And that one more day, I said this last time I was here, so many times I've wanted to quit my business or quit something. I just don't quit for one more day. But something occurred to me, Craig, right after I wrote the book, actually recently, and it just occurred to me, I want everybody to really hear this. If my dad doesn't make that decision to get sober, that one decision, and then stay sober one more day at a time, I'm not talking to you. I'm not talking to you. I'm, I'm somewhere else in my life. That changed our family tree forever. But then it occurred to me after I wrote the book, and I'm serious. It was just recently. Bro, Someone helped my dad get sober. I don't know who they are, but that person changed my family forever in a quiet act somewhere alone with my dad, and they helped him get sober. And here's what's crazy. Listen to me, everybody. Do you know what qualified that person to help my dad? Their mess. The fact that they were also a drunk at one point and an alcoholic. Them being a drunk and an alcoholic is what qualified them to change my father's life and in turn changed my life, which has in turn changed millions of other people's lives. So the minute you sit there and start thinking, me, why me? I'm not qualified to help people. Who's going to listen to me? Maybe it's your exact experience, your exact set of skills, your experience, your story, your mess. That is exactly what's preparing you to change other people's lives. And whoever this person was that helped my dad, my great, great grandchildren's lives will be changed dramatically because of them. So the ripple effect of that person's mess has dramatically affected my family. And it's not in the book, but I wanted to share it with you today. This is riveting. Thank you for sharing that. This is yeah. as deep as I've ever heard you get. And, and that's crazy. Like, like that yeah. one cat, right? Change yeah. that. And then it changed your entire tree and, and so forth. And yeah. it's just, I'm, to be honest, I'm just taking a second to process. Like, like yeah, I woke one, up in the middle of the night, night, brother. I was 3 a.m. I woke up and I thought, I turned to her. I said, "What, babe, wake up. I've known my wife since, as you know, kindergarten. Yeah. And she knew my dad. I said, babe, Someone helped my dad. She goes, what, honey? I said, someone helped daddy get sober. Someone was with him and helped him. She goes, oh, my gosh. And I said, they were probably a drug addict and an alcoholic. She goes, oh, for sure they were. They wouldn't have been at the meeting. I said, is that not amazing that this person's tragedy of their life and their mess is what qualified them to save my life, to save yeah. my dad's life? For my Max and Bella, my kids' lives, that one person they helped, that person deserves a place in heaven. And they wouldn't have made that had they not made, imagine all the mistakes a drug addict makes, all the poor choices an alcoholic makes, all the sins that go along with being that way. And that person did something magnificent with that mess. Yeah, but don't we need that in life? When you, the way you're describing that, I think of the word contrast right? We, we need the bad to appreciate the good. We need yes. to go through some stuff to see the light, so to speak. Yeah, man. I, that's the hard part of raising kids when you're rich, to be honest with you, is making sure <laughs> that they have the, no, you want them to struggle. You want them to have challenge. Remember when my kids were little saying, babe, we're not intervening with the teacher. Why? All the other parents do. 
because I want them to learn to work things out. I want them to have setbacks. I want them, believe it or not, to have some down times because it makes the victories sweeter. That's why. Shapes them. Yep. Yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> I wish we had 10 hours, but we're going to do a lot more together. I'm going to put that intention out there. Uh, two two words, Ed. Yeah. Impossibility thinker. Mm-hmm. I love that chapter, brother. So here's a huge thing for us to realize as humans, and that is that we often, most of us, unconsciously have started to operate out of our memory and our history. When you're young, you're happier. Why are you happier when you're four or five years old? I can tell you why I believe you are. Number one, you were just recently with God. So you were much sooner with God. Two, you operate out of your imagination and your dreams. And so, and as life goes on, we move away from our imagination. It gets suppressed in our dreams and we move into our history, our patterns and our memory and we operate at them. You have to become an impossibility thinker. And so the more and more you begin to crank up your imagination, dreaming is one thing, imagining this, ima- this beautiful imagination you were given, light it up again, turn it on again, begin to force yourself to imagine and to dream without a plan, without the qualifications, without any of that crap you think you need, turn that on. Otherwise, you are going to have a history and a memory repeat itself with just a different set of circumstances and a different set of people over and over and over again until you're dead. Because once you start operating out of the pattern of memory, which is what most people do, and history, you just recreate the same emotions, the same sort of results with different people in different circumstances. But when you turn on your imagination and you become an impossibility thinker, you have opened, just when you have the thought of something great with your life, okay, an imagination, you create a space that didn't exist before you had that thought. A physical space exists when you have an imagination and a dream and a thought that didn't exist before. And the way that your RAS does is what it does is once you have that imagination, if you repeat that imagined dream over and over and over again, because our mind moves towards what we're most familiar with. So if you're most familiar with your history and your memories, you move towards them. If you're most familiar with your worries, your fears, your anxieties, you move towards them. If you're most familiar with your imagination and your dreams and it's repeated like Hundreds of times, your mind moves towards it and your RAS starts to furnish that space you just created with the people, places, things, objects that you need to build it. That's how it works. And so begin to dream. Think about this. You can have no resources. Take an alcoholic. I'm real familiar with him, right? Because of my dad, a drug addict on the street. So you're a worst case scenario. You're a drug addict living on the street, homeless, no job. How is it that that drug addict with no resources, no connections, no nothing, finds a way to get their drugs every day? How do they get them? They have no resources, no ability, no nothing. They somehow get that drug, don't they? Because your obsessions truly do become your possessions if they're repeated things in your imagination and your dreams, even if they don't serve you, right? So we prove as humans with no resources, with no ability, we get what we obsess about. And so if you want to obsess on your memory, on your worries, on your fears, on your history, you'll just keep getting more of it. You prove it, don't you? But if you can begin to imagine and dream again and repeat that over and over again, you will get that long-term. This is, <laughs> because I love when you when the intensity goes up like this. It's so powerful, but everything you're saying is so true. Like, And you use the example of like a, like a little kid, right? Like they had the dreamer perspective. They didn't, they haven't cultivated limiting beliefs yet, right? They haven't been beaten down by life yet. So, and for the audience, like I challenge you, like if you're a little bit older and you have these limiting beliefs, ask yourself, were you born with those beliefs or did you cultivate them over time? And once you acknowledge that you cultivated them, you could change the stories and you could start attacking those stories, those dreams. Yeah. If you're over 10 years old, you started to have some of these limiting beliefs installed in you by people who love you. And and what happens is they get installed in us when we're defenseless. We're children. We don't know what's happening. It's be a good boy. No, 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 no. Be realistic. Pay attention in class. Fold your hands. No, have your manners. And you start to suppress the imagination and the dream of somebody by, by love. And then the world reinforces it once you get out into it. Then you have a setback or a failure, this or that, the other thing. You wake up, you go, what the heck happened? And now you're just repeating it. So that's okay. We've all been there. What do I do? It's in the book, The Power of One More. And I teach you how to begin to use your imagination again. What was that? That's right. I can hear your thoughts. Have no fear. I'm going to tell you exactly where you can get weekly access 
to the CLS experience live in action. Drop in gems, nuggets, trainings, special celebrity and business mogul guest speakers, and maximum energy. We just launched the CLS membership. We have weekly Zooms with like-minded, growth-oriented juggernauts. Networking and absorbing all the wisdom via weekly Zooms. Head to CultivateLastingSymphony.com and then bang, enter your new network today. Let's grow together, you dig? That's it. <laughs> I, I love it. Yeah. And like, once you have a thought, now all of a sudden, something is a possibility. Then you begin to take action to it. Like Ed is saying, now it's a probability. Oh, I love that. That's really good. That's good. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah. This is great stuff. We're going to do a giveaway at the end of this episode too um, on the best review from the book to, to send us a screenshot. Uh, and Ed's going to send you a signed copy. Love it. Done. Best yeah. review. Go review it everywhere. And the best one, we'll send you a signed copy of the book. I would love to do that. Hell yeah. So impossibility thinker. And then there's another thing that you talk about, which is possibility achiever. They go hand in hand. They go hand in hand. When something is uh, repeated over and over again, your brain becomes familiar with it and it becomes less impossible and more relational. And so you've had this happen, even the negative things in your life that you've just you thought about repeatedly and now you're addicted to them, right? And so an impossibility thinker becomes a possibility achiever because you shrink the distance between the dream. See, when something's dreamed once, it's just like, yeah, right? But when you do it over and over again, you begin to live with it. And the more you begin to live with something, the more it becomes a part of you. That's why I always encourage people, go touch your dreams. Like, you want to live in an oceanfront beach house? Go to some open houses. Every once in a while, go test drive a car. You know what I used to do when I was broke, but I would have these little contests in my business. I'd say, listen, if I make 10 sales this month, I'm going to go do one night. My wife and I would go do this. We would go right down the street here to the Ritz-Carlton in Laguna Beach here in Dana Point. And I'd say, babe, we got one night. If I make 10 sales this month, we're going to take that 400 bucks or whatever it is. And we're going to go spend one night at the Ritz Carlton. And I was living in an apartment, but I would go down there. The valet would pick the car up. My wife would go to the spa. I'd go play some golf. We'd have a beautiful dinner and I would just touch the dream, just touch it. And then maybe eight weeks later, if I did well again, we'd go to the montage one night, you know, you'd get a good deal. You get the worst room there. She'd go to the spa, we go lay out at the pool, we touch the dream. Well, the more I touch that dream over and over again, the more I'm like, I belong here. I belong in my dreams. And so if you begin to touch your dream or repeat it in your visualizations, you begin to believe you belong in them. And now, now you're superhuman. Yeah, now it's achievable. And yeah. in your head, you believe you, this is awesome. Straight it up. Becomes, you bec it becomes possible. And that's when you become a possibility achiever. That's it. Bang. And, yeah. and keep the dream close to you, right? Because if you yes. don't do those things, then it seems so far away and then you get and, ejected. And you get and you act in accordance with the depth perception. If it's super far away, you keep it there. If it's close and you're touching it regularly, even if it's just for a second, it becomes something that's in your proximity. You're such a stud. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So are you. Would you work out today, you freak? I worked out uh, today's Tuesday. I did shoulders today and a little bit of legs because of my calf injury. So I did shoulders and legs. I did uh, 40 minutes of cardio and my infrared bed. Yeah. Side note, uh, everybody's been drilling me from the first episode about you running that marathon. Obviously, now is not the ideal time because of the calf. Uh, yeah. But you did put that intention out there. No, it's happening. I got to do it. And I, I'm, I'm you know, 100% committed to it. But I'm not going to lie to you. One of the reasons I wanted to get down to 180 and then build back up is I'm going to do that at a lighter weight because that's a lot of weight to carry for me. So yeah. I'm already working on it. That's a lot of weight to carry for anybody for 26.2 yeah. miles. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm not going <laughs> to. I'm carrying less. I love you. Yes. Yeah. A lot of this book also, you dive into quantum science, right? Uh, yeah. And some energy stuff as well. Yeah. Go back into that too. Hardest chapter for me was the faith chapter. I think the faith chapter took me as long to write as almost the rest of the book because really? I am a Christian and I'm proud of that. And I don't do it to preach or I just, I can't write a book about what I believe about life and not talk a little bit about my faith, but I wanted to do it in a way that respected people of all faiths. And so I wanted someone who was Jewish or Muslim or uh, Hindu or agnostic 
not to feel alienated by the fact that I hold a particular belief system, because certainly in my social circles, I hang around people from every single faith. And my two best friends happen to not share my faith at all. And my dad, who was my very best friend, I would call more of like a new age guy. Right. So uh, there's no none of that with me. Having said that, though, as a person of faith, I also believe in the quantum field. I believe in energy. I believe in vibration. The reason you and I get along so well is we have a connection energy-wise. Our vibrational frequencies are very similar. And so I'd be a fool not to acknowledge what has really helped me tremendously in my life, which is my plugging into energy, creating energy, being cognizant of what I'm making people feel, giving off energy, and plugging into a space where there's infinite answers. I just happen to believe that there was an almighty God that created all of it. And that doesn't matter if you believe that or not. It's just that's what I believe. So it's a really interesting chapter because I start out talking about, you know, sort of my faith faith, and then I go right into quantum energy in the quantum field. And so I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a believer of both, and I'm a product of both. And so I both pray and meditate daily, and I'm super conscious of vibrational frequency as much as I am anything else in my life. I just give all the glory to God when I'm successful because I know how uh, basic of a dude I am and how great God's been to me in my life. And I just refuse to write a book for me that didn't acknowledge that. Yeah. Uh, and you're far from a basic cat, Uncle Ed. Um, one thing that you do really well is you identify what you are really good at. Uh, and you own in that. And because of that, you're able to make a huge contribution and impact. In regards to the, the dynamic between faith and the quantum, that's so interesting to me the way you brought that up, because it is kind of similar. Uh, but the good news is for everybody that's going to read this book, um, which is going to be a hell of a lot of people is yeah. forget about faith for a second. Like in regards to the quantum, anybody has the ability to tap into that. Correct. That's the whole point I make in the book is that it's there for all of us to tap into. And I think the more you're cognizant that you can, and the more you just begin to sense energy and be cognizant of your own vibration, your own energy. Um, yeah. It's really important that you just said that this is not a faith book by any means. It's just, I got 19 keys in there. I'm going to mention faith. And so it's one of the 19 that are in there. That's the other thing about the book I would say too. Some chapters will resonate with you far more than others just because of where you're at in your life or the thing that you lack. There's a whole chapter on time management. There's one on leadership, right? There's one on equanimity, which is peace and calmness under duress. Some of these things are going to be life-changing breakthroughs. And the other chapters, you're like, I already got that one down or I don't need that one. And so, but the energy one, is something that, you know, you, you know this, I've had some of the top energy people in the world on my show, and some of them are my best, best friends. I think for me, naturally, I've always really understood energy. I've really always understood vibration. And so um, that was something that just for me in my life was a natural thing for me. Um, it's not for a lot of people, but yet other things to them are more natural. And so I feed energy, I sense energy, I often will tell my wife, I really, really like her or him, and I can't explain why. And then there's been other times in life, it's just like, oh, I don't have the right vibe on them. And they're probably wonderful people. We just don't vibe energy-wise. Yeah, hell yeah, you just don't click. Yep. And, and also, that's, that kind of dives into your intuition, correct? Big time. I'm a big believer in it. Uh, the Bible talks about discernment actually being a gift, and energy is something that you can sense from someone. And I think these are gifts to us. These are alert systems in our lives. Like an example, man, people say, I go a whole chapter on emotions. And I say, emotions aren't negative or positive. It's just the, how much of them do we want? Like, is fear a negative emotion? I don't know. Because for me, the right amount of fear causes me to focus. When I'm afraid, I focus. Fear was given to us in the caveman days, so T-Rex didn't need us. Now, don't want to <laughs> live, don't want to live in fear all day? No, why? Because I'll stay in the cave and I'll never do anything. But I want a little bit of fear when I leave the cave because it causes me to focus. It's okay that for today's podcast, if either one of us were a little bit nervous, that little bit causes us to prepare. It causes us to focus. Respect. So, yeah. yeah. It's, so it's, a, it's, the, it's the amount and dosage of what emotions we want at any given time. Yeah. And just to, to touch upon that, like when I run my marathons, like even now, you know, I, I've ran five, like I still get that little bit of anxiousness or fear before because I respect the task at hand. Doesn't mean I'm not going to show up, but you know, you respect it's a big deal. Very well said. I agree with you. Yeah. This is awesome. Straight up. <laughs> we had our mutual friend. Uh, I had, he was on my show a little while back, maybe a few weeks back, John Gordon. Love John. Uh, I know you do. So do I. And uh, we were talking about the father of lies, as he likes to call it, when that voice comes in your head. Mm -hmm. uh, you're extraordinary, Ed, but you're also human, right? Yeah. So you have those days uh, where the voice creeps up in your mind, whatever the case may be. How do you combat that? 
I have some things I teach in the book on habits called, there's a whole chapter on habits and I teach something called anchors or triggers. And these are things that you can use to change your state and to institute a habit. And so I do have those times. I was, I, I'm blessed that I get a chance to coach, you know, some really fascinating people. And yes, you do. Uh, last time we talked, I mentioned this to you, but recently one of those people before the call started, I caught myself and I went, Oh my God, I'm scared. And I have nothing to offer this person and they're going to figure it out. I had that major imposter syndrome. This is a person who used to run a country, a very big one, a very prominent one. And, a country, uh, no big deal. Yeah, I know. Right. And, uh, and I had to grab a hold of some tools I have that I teach in the book called triggers, which create a state so that when I'm in a, let me just give you one little part. When I'm in a peak state, when I'm in a great state, when I'm in flow, when I'm really cranking, I can do something physical to anchor that state in my body. So if I snap my fingers or touch my chest or grab my ear, that's why you'll see athletes do routines. They don't know it, but they're actually getting into state and flow. And so when I get into those places, I can call upon the triggers and I'm going to teach you exactly how to do it. If you read the power of one more that can override that state I'm in with the trigger or the anchor that I have. I have that. And then the second thing is I just focus on my intention. There's a power to intent. We talked a little bit about this last time that I just focus on my intent is to serve. My intent is to make a difference that I'm a good man. If I don't have the answers, I'll find them. And I take a lot of my confidence from my intentions, not my abilities. Too many people link their abilities to their confidence. You always be chasing that tail. But if you started to link your confidence to your intentions, you'll find that you can instantly know about yourself that there's a strength within you because you intend to do well. You intend to serve. You intend to contribute. So I go to intentions and triggers. This is awesome. And what I love about this is, is for the audience, like this is applicable and transferable for anybody in any arena. Yep. Bottom line, get the book. That's right. Get yeah. the book. Uh, the last question I got to ask you, I'm just curious because I admire you, Ed. Thank you. Uh, at different seasons of your life, you have different mindsets or, or different goals, whatever the case may be. What was the mindset going into the power of one more compared to when you wrote Max Out Your Life? Wow. No one's asked me that. The, uh, the Max Out Your Life was I wanted something quick, digestible, 100 pages. You could probably read it in a day if you wanted to. That gave you some like real broad keys. Okay, this is a thought. This is that. And that you go, wow, I never thought about that before. That's a concept I didn't know. This book, I wanted to give you depth. And I wanted to serve you on a deeper level. You're going to have to read it. And it's a heavy read. And you may skip some chapters. You know, people do that when they read. This one, though, I wanted to honor my dad with what I learned from my dad. And the other thing, man, is that it occurred to me when my dad died. It makes me emotional. I don't know why right now. But I'm next in my family. I'm the oldest living male in my family. And I wanted to make sure I put it all in writing for my great-grandkids someday to read this is what he believed about happiness and success at that stage of his life. And I wanted it to be detailed and I wanted to pour my heart out. I wanted to honor my dad with it, but I also, I wanted to, I'm in my prime still. I don't know how long I'll be here. Maybe it's 25 more years. You know, tomorrow is not promised. Right. And, and so I wanted to do something that I thought, and I mean this sincerely, like really made a difference in people's lives. And um, I'm not going to write another book for a long time. Uh, this will, there will not be another book next year. My publisher thinks there's going to be, there will not be. I put everything into this. And so there'll be some breathing room. I need to grow some more. I need to live some more before I can share some more, but I've got 50 years, 51 now in this book. And at this stage of my life, this is what I know about how to become happier and more successful. And I wanted it to be all in one place that you could get it from me in case you never heard from me again. Yeah, this is awesome. Thank you for pulling back the curtain and getting deep. And this is going to be uh, the personal development Bible for this generation, I just like as Thinking Grow Rich has been for decades and decades. Uh, and it's brother. absolutely, yeah. And you mentioned still in your prime, you're absolutely still in your prime. And it's funny because a bunch of people asked me recently, How does it feel to be turned 37 last week or the case? Yeah. And I've been hearing a lot lately from the greats, such as yourself, like they really put it all together and hit their stride in their 40s. No question. Absolutely. I was ask you, but- is that true? Yeah, that is absolutely true. Yes. The 40s, you know, I don't haven't lived my 50s yet, so I'm just in the starts. But yeah, I kind of put it together in my 40s. There's sense that there's a there's something that happens, I think, at some stage, maybe you can have it in your 20s, I didn't, where like uh, humility sets in a little bit. And you're like, yeah, I don't need to prove how powerful I am. I'm powerful, you know, and there's a nuance in a way that you deliver things, man. You have this, like I told you this off, like offline, you know, 
there's something about accumulated wisdom, but just a heart to serve. This thing about intention, don't take lightly. Don't take lightly. And the fact that you intend, like, that's why this is working for you, bro. You intend, like, people don't know this. You're on other guys' social media. You're on mine. You're always complimentary. You're always engaging. You're always encouraging. You are confident enough that you don't need to be the show all the time. And you you found that in your 30s, whereas most men find it in their 40s or 50s. You found it younger, and you should you should really be acknowledged for that. Thank you so much for saying that, brother. I appreciate sure. that. Um, the last couple of years, I've really grown a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so did my faith, probably not a coincidence. Um, but but ultimately, I'm just so excited. And for the audience, like surrounding myself with people like Ed, no ego, people that have a little bit more experience and growth, like that's the best way to learn straight up. And so the bottom line is grab Ed's book because his over three decades of experience, entrepreneurship, business relationships, the quantum, all that stuff. Thank you, brother. Thank you very much. Yeah. I'm going to put the intention out there. I'm going to see you sooner than later in person, give you a big giant bear hug. Get out here to California, man. I'm in. Okay. Do it. And by the way, let's do that agreement. Anybody who writes a great review on the power of one more, I'm sending you a signed copy. You'll pick it and I'll send the book to them. Done. And we'll put it in the show notes. Of course, I already know how the audience can support you. Go buy the book, share the book with a friend and so forth. How can I personally support you, Uncle Ed? You just did it. We just did the show, brother. And you're always so encouraging. And um, you can support me, man, by continuing to grow and serve other people because I'm immensely proud of you. And you're the embodiment of the power of one more. And you're certainly the embodiment of maxing out your life. And so just continue to serve, brother. It makes me proud every day. And you could not do anything greater for me than to serve other people. Thank you so much, brother. And what another instant classic. Uh, thank you for the honor of having you on again. And just like the Rocky movies, we're going to have another chapter. I have a feeling we're going to have a bunch more. Uh, I want you to know you the definition of grit, Ed, gratitude, and heart from taking your life experience to spreading positivity, light, and deep truths. You're a true entrepreneur, visionary, role model, beacon of hope for anybody coming up to their big goals and aspirations. I can personally guarantee your best is yet to come. Keep on spreading your wings and leaving your mark on this world. So much love and respect for you. Thank you so much for stopping by and dropping these priceless nuggets today. God bless you, brother. Thank you. That was too much fun. Dude, you're so good at this. I'm submitting your name right now. I got, an, I got about a break of about two minutes. I'm going to submit your name to Sirius right now. I really appreciate it. I'll lay it on as heavy as I can, man. Okay. And I'll message you and we'll do some more things. I I love you and thank you so much for everything. Love you. I'm going to see Gordon in an hour. So I'll tell him you said hello. Please do. All right, brother. Thanks, man. Bye, Uncle. Have a good day. All right, bye. Bye. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And follow me on Instagram at Craig Siegel underscore CLS, the YouTube channel Craig Siegel, and our website, CultivateLastingSymphony.com, where you could sign up for our email blast with all free trainings on all of our content. The best is yet to come.